This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We've been spending a lot of time talking about the election. And while the key issues are change and trust, there are a lot of important things that we are not talking about. CARP and Elder Abuse Ontario want to change the conversation and to put this terrible and completely underreported form of violence against our most vulnerable on the agenda. Laura Tamblin-Watts is CARP's National Director of Law Policy and Research, and she joins me now. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? So, Fine, thanks. Uh, CARP has conducted a poll, and there are a lot of people who have experienced or have very first-hand knowledge of elder abuse. Elder abuse is one of the most underreported forms of abuse. And when we look at what our CARP members reported, it matches really what our national prevalence study says. And the numbers are really huge. Uh, Give me a sense of them. One in 10 respondent CARP members said that they themselves had been abused. And 35% of respondent CARP members said that they knew somebody directly who'd been abused. And when we look at what the kind of abuse is, you know, 64% said that they had uh, or experienced emotional abuse. About 35% said financial. 29, so almost 30% of people said that they, they were concerned and they had experienced institutional abuse. So really thinking of abuse in long-term care. Mm-hmm. 24% said that they had been subject to ageism, which they equated with abuse, so a significant enough form of ageism that it really had an impact on their rights. And then it was about equal for physical and neglect, um, about 18%. Overarchingly, when we asked CARP member respondents, did they think that this needed to be a key priority for the Ontario government? An overwhelming 89% said this had to be a big priority, but we really don't see it being discussed right now. Do you think that governments in general are starting to deal with it? I think elder abuse is costing the system so much that, like so many other type of social issues, you know, we really need an integrated strategy. Right now in Ontario and indeed across the country, there's no easy place to report elder abuse. People don't know what's going to happen to them. And we really don't have the resources to adequately respond. So I think we're getting to a tipping point where both the economic costs and the social costs are starting to make it a key priority. Well, my understanding is that there are two major things stopping the reporting of it. And number one, a lot of it happens at the hands of family members and people are embarrassed and and ashamed to come forward with that. And the other is that in the case of long-term care abuse, people are afraid, loved ones are afraid that if they say anything, things will get even worse. You've got it in one. Uh, Really, what we know is that about two-thirds of all abuse of older people 
is at the hands of those closest to them, family members uh, and some very, very close friends. So when we think about, you know, who do we reach out to? Well, it's that son that we see with his mom. We have to be very careful because we don't want to alert the abuser that, you know, mom is subject to abuse and it turns out to be him. So we need some really good education and strategies around that. In long-term care, people tend to be so grateful to actually have a place in long-term care and, and some long-term care is wonderful, but our system is significantly underfunded and understaffed. So even the most well-intentioned system can really have a lot of neglect into it. Um, so when we're looking at these matters, you know, we have to take a broader approach. But people need to be able to have someone to respond to. I just want to give the numbers out again in case there is anyone out there who feels up to sharing their story. It's a safe space. It's the radio. We only have your first name. And if you want to call, we're here to listen. This is a subject that Laura has a lot of experience with. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. Laura, in general, I don't think that issues affecting older people have had much play in this election. Frankly, is that a big disappointment? It really is. I mean, what we see is that they're trying to talk about some of the ways and means that are symptomatic of abuse without talking about abuse. So we saw in, you know, some of the top issues being discussed as long-term care, including the availability of long-term care. We talk about pensions. We talk about pharmacare. All of those things really disproportionately affect older people, and they can be part of the solution. But without actually discussing elder abuse and neglect and what it means specifically, we really, I think, can't get to the heart of the issue. There's a lot of really concrete things that we can change to make better. We just really need the political will to do it. Can you give me an example of some of those things? Absolutely. We know that in Ontario, our public guardian and trustee tends to be full of, you know, people trying to do their jobs. They are so enormously burdened by the amount of work that they have to do and limited by the mandate that they have. It's not broad enough to respond to the modern challenges. Well, we have had the Law Commission of Ontario do a wonderful report on the Substitute Decisions Act, which is the legislation that governs all of the things about substitute decision-making and mental capacity. And there's absolutely actionable and key specific recommendations which governments could take up. They're expert. They've been reviewed for five years. They've been costed out. They just need to be done. But there has to be the political will to meet the matter upstream instead of just trying to fix it downstream. That's an interesting take on it uh, because everything, certainly with the last mandate, we've seen problems and they're kind of like leaks in the house. And there's, you know, various solutions have been put forward to fix the leaks, but not necessarily to find the source of the problem. That's exactly it. We are literally running from leak to leak. And, you know, I can't go a single day without hearing a terrible story about somebody. And I heard one this morning about uh, a husband and wife who are being subject to abuse and neglect. And the question is always, 
Who do I call? Well, we know Elder Abuse Ontario is a wonderful not-for-profit charitable organization that provides education and information and support, but they were not a responding unit. In just on, on Toronto alone, we have you know, one police officer who deals with vulnerable people, and that's really not an appropriate amount of response for police. And so when we see the kind of services available, and then you look to the public area trustee and they don't have the mandate or the person power to respond, at a certain point we say raising awareness is good education is important but people need to have a system that's able to respond so that things can get better well you know it's interesting you mentioned the toronto police and i'm glad to hear there is one person because i remember there was one person and the last time i looked there was a hole when she retired she did retire. It took a little while for him to be replaced, and the person who's been replaced is committed and, uh, frankly, quite expert in this space. But as one person, I, I challenge, and that's just in Toronto. In other parts of Ontario, we have small initiatives in the police department, and what we know works really well like the mental health partnerships in with older adult abuse is when we have a social worker or someone with that kind of street training paired with a police officer to go in. And we see some of those in Durham has been a leader and Hamilton has done a good job. At one point, Ottawa had those. Well, what we know is when budget cuts come, the very first thing that gets cut, it seems like, are these types of really needed partnerships and positions. So we have the answers. We have a lot of the answers, and they cost less money than seeing the problem downstream. But more important than money, in my respectful view, is people need to stop being hurt. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a call from Jane in Mississauga. And Jane, uh, we are running out of time, so uh, we want to hear your story very much. But quickly, please. Hi, sure. Thank you so much for taking it. Um, So I live in a home, I think it's generational sandwiching or whatever. So I live with my mom and my grandmother. And right now, my grandma's at that stage where, you know, she's getting a bit messy and she's having some accidents. But now my mom is frustrated. So she's yelling a lot. And, you know, I can see the tension and I can see that it's, you know, heartbreaking to my grandmother and it's heartbreaking to all of us. But I really don't know how we can remedy the situation, you know. So I, I, I wish we knew somewhere to turn. And I don't want to call it abuse, but I can see where it could be construed as abuse. Th- thank you so much for calling in. I'm, I'm going to let Laura respond quickly, and, and then uh-huh. uh, we're going to have to go in a minute. Uh, okay, but we you. will revisit this. So, uh, Laura, can you respond? Thank you. Yeah, we know caregivers are getting exhausted, and people who are at home and in family are trying to provide care that professionals should be, um, should be providing, and it really works for no one. What we need is a system that works upstream and downstream so that situations don't get worse. And and is there somewhere for Jane to go to try and intervene in this situation? We know that, you know, you can go through your LIN and try to get more care through the community care access centers. That can be a real challenge because often it's not enough amount of time. Often then people have to turn to private home care, which can be very expensive. And often people are waiting in the long-term care list. And sometimes that can be two to three years. 
So people like Jane and, and her family are really an example of some of the, the things where good intention people really just run into exhaustion. On the mm-hmm. other end, there are people who are very predatory and they're absolutely going out to, to harm older people and then lots of folks in between. So we need to have solutions that support the well-intentioned people and really has a punitive aspect for those who are trying to pray. Okay, I am sure we are going to revisit this very important issue. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your story, uh, Jane. And thank you, Laura Tamblin-Watts from CARP. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. And that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today. We couldn't get to all of your calls. We'll be talking about the election again very soon. And Free For All Friday is coming up. And we now break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.